0: Welcome to Afternoon Delight, real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Happy Friday everyone, Jory Delight here, I hope you're all having a nice week. Um, I realised that last night something happened with Scotland involving football, in case you're listening and you're on a high from that, I clearly am not the kind of person, <laughs> in case you didn't realise, um, listening to Afternoon Delight, I am not the kind of person who actually engages with football. Um, but props to whatever they did in order to do whatever they've done, because that's as much as I know. It's funny, when I seen Nicola Sturgeon had tweeted deep breaths everyone with the Scottish flag... My instant thought was, oh my God, what's going on with COVID now? (laughs) But it was bloody football. And you know what? That actually gave me a good giggle. So I hope telling you all that story made you laugh too. This Friday's guest is an interesting guest, actually. This is someone I've known since I was, um, God, 19? 2014, I met them when I did my first um, theatre-related project with the National Theatre Scotland and the uh, Scottish Youth Theatre and it was called Tin Forest Festival, and it was amazing. And we were part of this group, so basically, there was a series of groups, and everyone was doing performances, sort of a street theatre, or invisible theatre, if you're, like, a theatre-loving, you know what I'm on about. And basically, we did sort of um, impromptu performances, and we were all given names, so I met lots of people through this festival. I've got a lot of great friends from this festival, which was amazing. And... Um, It kind of pushed me into theatre. It made me realise that that's what I kind of wanted to do with my life long term. And we had different groups. We had The Forgotten, The Workers, Travellers, and so on. And they all had kind of a background story. And ours was The Forgotten. And basically, the guest, Lorna Murray and I, were put in this group that were all from the 1930s or 40s. I think it was pre-war. And we were talking about how we felt like we were The Forgotten generation, and how the morals and values had kind of been lost in this current climate, to be perfectly honest. And then I remember that one of the best things that me and Lorna discussed in this podcast was we sung Deacon Blue Dignity, which, oh my God, if you are a true Scots, you will love Deacon Blue. Um, I think that's why I want to start the episode with that kind of um, tribute to the Scottish football team, because Deacon Blue is just one of my favourite bands Um, You know, they do a lot of songs. My favourite, personally, is Real Gone Kid, because it's like a car advert, and it's like, um, uh, Nevermind, baby. I love it. It's just so good. Um, But Dignity is such a beautiful song, and really was truly the best song for us to use to kind of um, reference Scottish culture. Lorna is an amazing singer. I remember when we were doing this group and we had to sing, I had to stand next to Lorna and I turned around and was like, oh Jesus Christ, like <laughs> I've been put next to this fantastic singer and here's me like barely holding a tune at the time. Um, but it really made her stand out and it was a friendship that I kept ever since and it was so funny but we ran into each other at Everybody's Tom Jamie at the Festival Theatre which is my favourite musical. It's kind of, that next to probably sort of Boy George's Taboo or Rock of Her Pictures show. You know, I'm, I love musicals, but I'm very much like a massive fan of shows like that that are about queer issues, or I'm a massive fan of like Sondheim. So, like things like um, Company and Into the Woods, I love all the kind of dramatics of theatre. I'm not going to make this me talking about, like, my favourite musicals, because that's not what we're here for, um, although love Mama Mia too, what a shout out. <laughs> so yeah, when I ran into Lorna, I, um, everybody was talking about Jamie, she told me that she was going to apply for a Masters, and could I give her any advice, because I just uh, started studying a Masters at that point, I said, oh, of course, but do you know what, like, in terms of places like RCS and all these other places, um, you know... What they want is experience, so as much as you can go in and say, I got a first class degree and I'm really academic, you know, a lot of them from working with people that teach and studied there, they're often wanting experience. And that doesn't just mean, you know, singing experience professionally, it also means life experience. One of the reasons I never went to study at RCS was because I wanted to do CPP, but... I wasn't fully confident in myself and who I was as a person, and I knew that would set a barrier for me to do well. Um, Plus, I loved writing more than performing at that point, so the QMU degree made much more sense for me. And, yeah, I am so pleased to say that Lorna is now going to be applying for that Master's. However, I'll let her share more info with you on that in the classical singing world. Please give a warm welcome to a truly fantastic singer and artist and friend. It is the lovely Lorna Murray. Hello, hello, everyone. I am back for Afternoon Delight and we are going to be doing a classical singing um, interview. I'm very excited to have a different dynamic to the podcast. And I have got a gorgeous singer and talented performer, the amazing Lorna Murray.
1: Hello. I'm so excited to be here and chat to everybody about what's been happening in the world of classical singing recently.
0: Oh, yeah. Do you know what? Like, it's so interesting. So I've been doing um, singing lessons on Zoom. And I obviously know that you teach. And I am very much aware that singing has been such a difficult one. So when we made this kind of interaction about getting you on for afternoon delight, I thought this is something that I'm doing sort of to um, improve my own singing, but I'm not actually, you know, doing it as a. I'm not a teacher. I'm not doing it professionally, so it's interesting to get a professional and to kind of talk about it, and also just live performance because live performance in general, obviously, isn't happening right now, and I know what's happening with the contemporary art world and the theatre world because that's what I do, but. In terms of singing I haven't got much really insight so it's great to get you on and kind of one get the insight to also just um you know allow us to hear more about it from someone that it's you know in it doing it professionally so thank you for joining me Um me. oh not at all so would you like to kind of just like introduce everyone to who you are
1: yes absolutely so I um, studied at Edinburgh Napier University, um, I studied my Bachelor of Music there and graduated in June of 2019 with my first class degree which was amazing, it was such a wonderful course, um, made friends for life, all that stuff that everyone says about uni absolutely was true and I learned so 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 much as well, thank goodness <laughs> um, and now I am kind of freelance, and um, I perform when performing is allowed to happen. Um, I perform with the National Youth Choir of Scotland. Um, I've been with them for the last, this will be my fourth year with them. Um, I sing with a a small ensemble called The Reed Consort, which is based in Edinburgh and is a sort of small semi-professional singing organisation, which is fabulous. Um, Wow. And I do a lot of kind of freelance soloist work. Um, Basically, if somebody wants me to sing, I will turn up and sing. Um, I'm not too picky. I love Um, that. (laughs) (laughs) As you mentioned, yes, I teach. um, I teach. I've got a couple of singing pupils. I've got some piano pupils. And I've actually got a flute student at the moment who is based in London. Because Uh the joy of online teaching is it doesn't matter where your students live. You can teach them. They don't need to be at my house. It's brilliant. So I'm doing that. That has very much kept me going over the pandemic um, teaching because obviously all the kind of performing work has mostly dried up. Um, at the moment, I am taking a couple of years out from study, but I'm hoping I've auditioned via video for a couple of master's programmes. Um, so I'm at the moment waiting to hear back from those, which is really sort of that horrible limbo period of waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully... Hopefully touch with this side of Christmas, I should know what the situation is. Um and yeah, at some point in the hopefully near future I'll be going on to continue my studies doing like a Master of Music programme and then hopefully a Master of Opera programme after that and then I'll go and wow. be Wow. okay. And be a
0: star <laughs> <laughs> That is a vibe, I understand what you mean. And you thought that's so interesting because didn't Now remind me, what show was it that I ran into yet? Uh, the, is, talking about Jamie. Oh, of course it was. One of my favorite, <laughs> if not my favorite musical. Oh, yeah. So, good. so, so, so good. And it's so funny because obviously when I saw you, I had said, I was still studying my MA at the time. And you had yeah. said to me, Oh, I'm looking at applying for an MA. And I was like, Oh, well, let me know. Like, I can send you a statement I wrote. I can give you tips and advice, you know. And I think one of the things I said to you was, They want people that have experience, not just like an undergraduate. And here you are, literally, telling me all the experience (laughs) you've got. And that is going to just really excel and help you hopefully get into an MA. I have all the kind of positive vibes for that because, you know, MA's are great. And I think when I did my MA, you know, I wouldn't, if I had went, a lot of people, my undergraduate, went into an MA straight after. And I don't know if other people feel this way, but I wanted that break to just, like, learn who I was, Work professionally, get to know, like, different people and sort of make a bit of a mark on the outside world. And for me as well, for anyone listening that wants to go into an MA, sometimes the best thing to do with Emmys is when you already have relationships outside of university, it's easier to then finish your MA and go back to work. Because if you just go into an MA and then you graduate you are kind of having to go back to what it was like before you ever went to uni in the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And with the pandemic, it's just so unpredictable right now. But I have hope, and do keep me up to date, obviously, if you're well, okay. in mm-hmm. uh, And it's just so great to hear you're doing all these things despite the pandemic. So it'd be quite nice to get a bit of backstory about you before you went to university. So kind of where did you grow up? And um, What did you study at school? What kind of got you into um, singing and your job?
1: So, um, I grew up in Uddingston, which is a little town near Glasgow, um, most famous for being the home of Tunnocks.
0: <laughs> Brilliant.
1: That's the, the facts about um, The Tunnocks factory is like five minutes along the road. Brilliant. Living oh my the dream. god, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, born and raised here, um, I still live half here and half at my boyfriend's flat in Edinburgh. Um, I went to just the normal local school um, and studied. I did music, obviously, um, at school. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to kind of fast track that, so I did my higher in fourth year and my advanced higher in fifth year, which wow. was really great. Um, Amazing. And I sat a ton of other subjects. I did. Um, I've got eight hires um, in total. Um, I was I was really really academic at school. Um, mm-hmm and really did strongly consider going down an academic university course career choice all that kind of thing I had a, an unconditional offer for an academic course at Glasgow uni but um I kind of got to a point where I was like actually if I go and do an academic course at uni just now once I finish that what am I going to do probably go and do music yeah so what's the point point in like taking that time to do that when the only thing that actually I want to do is music um I'd always kind of loved music. My mum played the flute and kind of taught me flute and piano when I was quite wee. Um and I was, you know, in school choirs and all that sort of stuff. It was always sort of part of my life. And then when I was about 13, I joined a youth choir, mm-hmm. um, which did a lot of kind of sacred music. Um and through that, um every member of that choir got a weekly singing lesson as part of our just part of being in the choir, which was amazing. Um, and so it was through that that I sort of started learning more about classical singing, um, how all of that works, and decided that actually that is something that I really, really loved. Um, I sat singing exams through them and got my grade 8. Um, wow. And, yeah, actually, I did my grade 8 flute, and then two days later I did my grade 8 voice, which was possibly the most stressful week of my life.
0: Oh my god, that must have been so exhausting. Cause it was I, unbelievable. Yeah, because I'm not. <laughs> like, I can't like play the flute or anything. Like I'm not. I'm not talented with that sort of stuff. Um, but I can't even begin to imagine just the stress and pressure of to get which amazing doing both in one week. Credit to you. And then sort of two days later, having to sing and just yeah. What was yeah. it like?
1: It was. It was. It was intense. It was a lot. Um, it was the same examiner for both. So I felt like when I walked back in, like a couple of days later, he was like oh, it's you again. <laughs> but it was, it was, like, I, I'm, I'm at a kind of point where I'm like, well, if I could do that, I can do anything, because that was so much prep, so much hard work to, I don't know how I did it, to be honest, looking but back. Did. But I did it, and, um, yeah, so I just kind of got to a point where I was like, right, singing is my thing, like, that's where I want to be. I did, for a while, consider, in fact when I was auditioning for undergrads, I did actually audition for RCS on flute and voice.
0: Wow. Which was
1: a rogue, a rogue choice. Um, I was unsuccessful with both, and that's fine. Uh, I was really young. Um, and in the classical singing world, most people don't start their careers until they're kind of mid to late 20s. Yeah. So it can be pretty tough to get... With the, Obviously, there are exceptions, but it can be pretty tough to get your foot in the door when you're, like... 17 and auditioning as I was so um yeah I went down the university route um which was absolutely the right decision for me at Napier we were a really really small department there was like under 20 people in my year wow so across all the instruments that we had so it was really cozy really tight knit and that worked really well for me because I got so many opportunities thrown at me from kind of the word go I was I was singing at the university graduation ceremonies um, for three years in a row, which was amazing. Um, I was was really lucky and got selected to do a load of really, really cool stuff through the uni, which gave me loads of experience. And, you know, I was doing like brand new commissions. I was doing established works. I was doing, again, as I said earlier on, literally anything that anybody would ask me to do, I was doing it. Um, And that stood me in really good stead. Um, So, yeah, I just fell in love with classical singing when I was ab- about 10 years ago or so now and yeah. haven't looked back since. I
0: and love that. You know, it's so interesting because I am one of my best friends who's also a singer, but she does more kind of M Neo soul and acousticy sort of stuff. She went and did the popular music course at Napier back in the day. And, you know, she was like you. She was going to Edinburgh Uni to do a primary teaching degree. And, you know, her family were um, very musical, so it was very Von Trapp sort of um, idea with the family. All of them sung, all of them... Her parents were both classical singers, so she felt the, the pressure. And um, basically, I remember her telling me that she was going to do it, because I was going to do a primary teaching degree at one point, so she was like, you don't want to do that. And I was like, how do you know? Like, and she was like, well, okay, if you do, go for it, but I will tell you a wee story, and I was going to, like, do that. And I was like, really? I could not imagine that, because, like, I love her pieces, and I could picture her being like a high school teacher, but not a primary teacher. She's her (laughs) patience is quite thin. I'm like, yeah, like kids are amazing. She's like, oh. (laughs) But I just remember her saying to me, like, her family were kind of like, you either do an academic or you do sort of a professional art, and I think her mindset was, I'm not good enough to be a singer, so I'm not going to do it, and then. She went and started doing this primary teaching degree. I think she got like six months in and she went, this is not for me. Why am I doing this? And she took a year out and then she went and reapplied to do the popular music and then ended up pursuing music. And now she's a professional musician. And, you know, it's, it is interesting that you would say, actually, that you were going to maybe do an academic thing. Because I was saying to the um, other artists I've got this week um, that, you know, I'm, I interviewed a student, basically, who's really doing well for their age. Like, they're only 18, but they're kind of doing good standard of work. And I'd say to them, oh, you know, um, it's so funny because when I was their age and was well, sort of 17 and was doing my UCAS statement, I was like, potentially going to go to Edinburgh, United to do English Lit because I wanted to do writing. And I was like, oh, I, I might do that. But I was a joe and sort of tailored my statement to be like, Oh, I love writing, whether it's books or plays or film scripts. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I was a Lido and it, it did get me loads of places. And I went, maybe I could go and do English lit. And I just went to myself. No, I love performing as much as I like writing. Like, I love performing. And if I'm doing an English lit degree, I'm not going to perform like as much as I'd want to. So I totally understand what you mean, and I'm glad that you obviously, you know, stuck with that and pursued that. It's just lovely to hear that today. Um, it's quite funny, actually, a lot of people might listen and be like, oh, how did Geordie and um, Lorna know each other? So we met back in 2014, I think. Yeah,
1: it was. And,
0: yeah. yeah, and it was at the National Um Fair of Scotland's Tin Forest Festival through SYT. Yeah. And it's so funny, because I remember we had to do that sort of weird, was it the workers? or No, we weren't the workers. We
1: were the forgotten, were we not?
0: The forgotten, because we were the sort of vintage <laughs> 1940s... Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of stuff and it was great and we all looked amazing we all looked like so swinging not swinging 60s what we're trying to say like the jazz you know and it was so exciting and I remember we were doing the was it what was the song we were doing it was that um set up again song
1: oh yeah um Deacon Blue Deacon Blue
0: Dignity and I remember hearing you sing because we were standing next to each other and I was like I remember trying to to you in rehearsals and going, gal, you got a voice, and you were like, Oh, thank you. And I was like, Wow, I did not expect that to come out. Like and what I loved about it was one, it was classical, so I'd never hear that. But two, it was just so refreshing because you weren't kind of like that person to me. You were not that person It was like, Yeah, I'm the singer of the group, I can do this. And Rachel Berry, like, do you know what I mean? You were not, you were not like Leah Michelle. You were like, <laughs> oh yeah hiya blah blah so lovely and charming and you were like singing and I went all right you <laughs> we were being like Vicky do I have to like stand next to her I cannot sing that well <laughs> but um but no it was absolutely amazing and um I just love that we've got that memory together because it's so funny looking back on that because back then I didn't even really do drag back then it wasn't anything i'd considered with my life (laughs) but here we are so So um, in the lead up to the pandemic what sort of projects had you been doing
1: so um in the lead up to the pandemic i was sort of doing a lot of freelance stuff i'd been doing some kind of solo gigs um with, like, coming in and being a soloist for choirs. I had a couple of things lined up for that. Um, I was supposed to be house staff for the National Boys and National Girls Choirs um, residential courses. Wow. They they um, were supposed to be happening over the Easter holidays. I went and got a first aid certificate for that, and then it never even happened because oh, there was no. a pandemic. Um, I, I had done a bit of... Um, just before the end of last year, I was in the band for a production of The Wizard of Oz, which was ridiculous. In fact, eh, that came up in a, as a memory on my Facebook today. I was like, eh, this time last year, I'd posted being like, I should be practising for my master's audition tomorrow, but instead I'm doing a band call for The Wizard of Oz with a part that I cannot play at all. That doesn't up, I don't know what does. Um, I
0: love
1: it. <laughs> yeah, I played flute and piccolo in that, which was, so stressful. <laughs> Wizard of Oz seems like a really like fun light show, but oh my god, the band parts are ridiculous. Oh no, the music
0: and, is quite intense. Denny- it was so mm-hmm. it was
1: like I can't play this. Um so that was fun. <laughs> um yeah, and then I had I had quite a few really exciting things lined up. Um I was gonna be joining the National Youth Choir again um for whatever whatever they had had planned this year for their residential and then what I'm sure would have been some fantastic concerts. Um, They did a really good job. They moved to a virtual course, which was amazing. Um, Obviously, one of the massive problems with things like Zoom and stuff is you can't perform music at the same time and hear each other because of the delay and everything. Uh, And the National Youth Choir has about 120 singers in it. So you really really can't perform and all hear each other at once. Oh my gosh, yeah. You put together such a wonderful three-day programme um where we learned some music. We had some really fun like um you know we did a quiz one night and all kind of different activities. Um we got a conducting masterclass, all sorts of things. And then on the last night one of um NICOSI's sort of highlights of the residential course every year is that they normally do a Cayle, which is so much fun um and i love a kelly aren't just the rest um and they somehow i still having actually been a part of it i still don't really understand how it worked but they did a like virtual Kaylee, <laughs> where they basically got a Kaylee band and they basically told us like get a teddy or a pillow or something and they had us like Kaylee dancing around our houses and we at like we actually joined in people did it and it was like oh. we like if we were over eighteen, most of us had had a wee drink or two. And
0: we I were love like that. <laughs> I, would be, we were I would be I would be I would be steaming, hugging my pillow like, Yes. It was, wild. It was
1: absolutely wild. It was so much fun. Um, despite the fact that when I heard about it I was like, there is absolutely no way I'm gonna solo Kaylee dance around my music room and then yeah. there I was. There I was. Um, so that was amazing. Um, yeah, I'd been, I'd done. I actually, did a concert with the Reed Consort, um, like literally the week before we went into lockdown. Really? That was like the last thing, the last thing I did. Mm-hmm. Um, at the you know, at the time there was kind of murmurs about the coronavirus, but it hadn't really, it wasn't really over here yet, and mm. nobody kind of had ever thought that it was going to be what it is. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so that was that was the last thing I did. Was a sort of. There were about 12 of us maybe um and we did we did a, a really lovely program of of um, sacred motets, which was gorgeous and then that that was it <laughs> that,
0: was but that is time. amazing what? even an <laughs> yeah and you know that is amazing because obviously like I cannot I can fully empathize that you know it'll have been such a shame and a sh- shitty feeling basically that pandemic happens and all these things are in the pipeline because I had loads of things in the pipeline that nothing really came about because they couldn't, it was like, it was maybe starting this drag show at this really amazing nightclub and loads of other little things performance-wise that just weren't going to happen. But, you know, I've, I've pinned them. They'll hopefully come back when things open. But it's funny you say that because Zoom-wise, I got um, booked to DJ for Imagine at the fair company's like, um, sort of private party on Zoom oh my God, that was an, an interesting one. Just because like, it was so difficult getting all set up and sorted and we managed to pull through. But I think it was really interesting cause like, I was like, oh God, if you are going to really want to dance on camera, but they did. And it's, yeah. you know, I think it's unfortunately, I remember Dean Gummer who um, I had on the podcast who's a drag king one week was like, oh, you know, the idea of digital performing for me, I need a stage, I don't want to do this was their initial idea and I went yeah I won't lie to you like I was the same that when I was completing my MA for my term free I was like oh like I'm not a film student I can't film things I can't edit to save myself this is not me I did not sign up to do this I signed up to live art I did actually manage to do it and kind of I had to like spend a lot of nights watching YouTube videos on sort of basic editing sort of had to have tutorials where they would sitting. and tell me how to sort of um, do a film schedule because filming is not the same as doing it live, you know. But I think everyone had an initial fear, unfortunately, of I don't want to do this, I don't like change, because I'm not... I sometimes embrace change, but I am quite, like, you know, attentive and, like, to be structured. And I think when a lot of people then got over that initial thing, all of a sudden, everything started to take off, which was good. And it's so funny you say, actually, that the week before was when you performed that gig and that... We didn't really know this was happening because i literally was in a counseling session when i used to go to a counseling center before the pandemic and the week before my counselor said to me oh how are you doing Blah man i was all oh, like i was like so self-absorbed in the session that i was like my life is a mess this is what's going on and she kind of said to me how are you feeling about the coronavirus and i said eh <laughs> and i was like what and i was like where's that come from i've not got coronavirus and she's like Oh, well, no, but, like, um, in Italy, because it was in Italy, the numbers spiked so dangerously. And I went, uh, oh, and I won't lie to you, maybe a bit ignorant of me, I never used to watch the news. (laughs) So I was like, oh, oh, I I didn't know that. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. And then a week later, we went into lockdown, and I went, what? Where does this (laughs) come from? And it was such a slap in the face, because it kind of went... It felt a bit like, you know, when you see in those movies, they slap someone to make them go, oh, what have I done? It was like uh-huh. that. I went, oh, all of a sudden I've awoke and everything's happening. Where's this come from? Um, so it's interesting that, you know, you were doing this concert. And I think a lot of people, I spoke to, you know, the week before one of my friends was DJing, literally the Monday before they announced the lockdown and was like, totally no caring having a drink, loving their life. Everyone went out that Monday.
1: We were out. So that night that I did that concert was also my boyfriend's birthday night out we were on a pub crawl that night. Like, <laughs> Do you know like, what I mean? Like, we would never no, oh. and then literally the oh. following week it was full lockdown.
0: I know it's nuts. So okay. how so how has um, the pandemic affected the classical singing world then? I know it's probably every week I ask people this and I feel like it's kind of like common sensey but obviously with this I don't know what the kind of plans are long term so it'd be great if you could share with me how the pandemic has affected that
1: so obviously when when everything you know we went into lockdown everything kind of just stopped and a lot of organizations were I'm sure working away in the background frantically trying to work out what they could do especially once we realized this wasn't just going to be you know a month or so this was We were in this for the long haul. Um, So I know that, you know, for the first wee while, it was all kind of quite quiet. And then sort of people started getting in touch and saying, you know, we're wanting to do like a virtual video. So, you know, can everybody record their own parts for this piece separately? And then some clever person edited it all together. Um, So I've done quite a lot of that kind of stuff, um, which has been really good to just do something but Mm -hmm. it just makes you really aware of how much you miss the actual interaction of singing with other people yeah because you know you're singing along to like a piano track or whatever and all you can hear is yourself and then yes it's brilliant to hear it all stitched together and edited together but what you're really missing is that live interaction with other musicians um but I mean thank goodness we have the technology to be able to do something it's amazing um i know that scottish opera have done quite a few kind of video projects they did like a short a couple in fact a couple of short film operas Mm -hmm. which was really cool and something kind of totally different to anything that i'd kind of seen before they also just recently in the last week or so maybe a wee bit longer than that last few weeks they released um Their opera highlights. um, That's a show that they normally, it's usually about four singers and a piano that they normally tour around kind of smaller venues in Scotland. um, Kind of little town halls and all that sort of thing. Um, Obviously, again, that couldn't happen this year. So they managed to do a filmed version of that. And they've released that online, um, which is fab as well. They managed to get in in that little period of time where we'd kind of come out of The end of the last lockdown, and we weren't properly in this one when (laughs) it opened up again. They managed to do um, a live outdoor, socially distanced production of O M, which was unbelievable. The tickets sold out. Like I saw them posting about it on their social media and stuff, and I was like, we need to go and see this. I need to see something live
0: Mm -hmm. because.
1: I me and my family and my boyfriend we love going to going to theatre, going to shows, going mm-hmm. to ev- everything and we had tickets for so 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 many things this year that have either been cancelled outright or postponed till sometime next year. Yeah. And some we've actually now got um, two sets of tickets for shows that have been postponed to January twenty twenty-two, which is like insane. It's
0: quite concerning. So,
1: yeah, so it's like um, you know, we've really, really missed seeing live anything so when we heard about this um lab om we were like right need to go on that managed to get tickets um which as i say later sold out like within like half an hour of going on sale and it was performed up scottish opera have a, a sort of um, production studios up in cow and they have a big sort of outdoor space there, so they'd set it up. They'd set up a kind of gazebo and trailers and stuff, um, wow. and little tables and chairs for the audience. So you were all in your little bubbles, um, and the performers were all socially distanced, and it was just amazing. It was so 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 oh. special to see to see live performance again. To to sort of have that. It was freezing. It was absolutely Baltic. I, really <laughs> was... I can imagine actually. <laughs> But it was, oh, it was, honestly, it was, it was so, so special. And Laboem has a really beautiful mix of, like, really, really funny scenes. There's a scene set in a sort of cafe, which is just slapstick. It's really, really funny. <laughs> and then it ends in absolute tragedy and it's really, really sad. Um, And it was, it was just really poignant and felt really right for the kind of time that we're living in. Um Totally. It was oh, it was just it was just amazing. So, it was brilliant that although that sort of thing isn't allowed again because we're back to more strict regulations at the moment, mm-hmm. um, it was amazing that even just you know for that little period of time something happened, and I'm so 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 pleased that I got to see that because it was like it was just a little bit of hope. Do you know, what I mean, it was just a little glimmer of like things are happening, and no matter how long it takes, we will get back to normal eventually not the new normal the actual normal will will get there
0: totally
1: um and i'm sure you know there's lots of things still happening in the pipeline i know down south some of the opera companies are doing like streamed performances and stuff because again they put into full lockdown so they can't have audiences in theaters but because it's work and if they do social distancing and stuff they can do a recording so there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening um, at the moment until such a time as we can start getting people back into theatres and concert halls and all that kind of thing.
0: That's Hopefully. amazing though like I'm so glad to hear that things like that have been happening because obviously like, I, like I've got my singing teacher um, and you know they are very frustrated because they can't do lessons in person and <laughs> there's been a lot of like and but they're missing that you know they're not they don't like doing it on zoom like I, they're great with me because I know them and I love doing them with them but there's a lot of frustrations like if I've went flat on a note she tries to tell me to his technique but like she can't see my mouth and how I'm doing it whereas in person she'd be able to see all that you know and I got the sense of with life, live performances that I would only imagine that Stuff wasn't happening regularly or happening at all because, like, theaters not opened. You know, film films can't get like recorded at the moment. Like, I remember when they announced. It was so funny to think that actually, but that's just because it was so long ago. But I remember in April, I had a pure meltdown, and it's so silly. But I've gotten really before the pandemic into Corey, and they were like oh, Corey won't be on after August because we, we're three months ahead of schedule and we won't be able to film anything and there'll be a break. And I went, this is the end. I can't deal. But, you know, it was true that I didn't even think about the fact that BBC and ITV shows won't be able to happen. Like Loose Women, know that I watch Loose Women, but I remember flicking <laughs> the channels and being like, oh, it's literally an episode from years ago because they can't film anything new. You know, I mean... <laughs>
1: and it felt
0: really vintage and retro but it also felt like I was living in the past and it was scary and it's, like you said it is good with technology now that we have this because, do you know what like the real, the harsh reality right, for me just talking to a lot of friends who have been upset about you know, everyone's upset about a lot of things but listening to like sort of a lot of things and going, I can't imagine how the human race would have coped if this had been the 50s, 60s, 70s, like, oh, I,
1: know. I
0: cannot imagine how, and, and thankfully it's not, but yeah. I can't imagine how they'd have coped, it's an interesting way to look at it, and it's, you know, that thing about seeing La Vie Bohème, yeah?
1: La Bohème.
0: La Bohème, I'm thinking of Rent.
1: Laboem's <laughs> <laughs> La The Opera Rent was based on.
0: I thought that, that's what yeah. I was thinking when you were talking about yeah. it, and um yeah, seeing I would have got so emotional seeing live performance oh, honestly,
1: as soon I as I it started, my mum would in tears. Like and I and would even have been that yet, like
0: and I would have been honestly, because that is the sort sort of thing that there's a couple of things project wise that I am doing in the background that in probably in the new year and hopefully restriction wise with COVID and stuff will happen and I'll let you know obviously another time what they are. But God, I cannot wait till I'm on a stage or I'm watching even watching other shows. You know, I was maybe going to see Chromatica, the Lady Gaga tour this year mm-hmm. in Florida with my uncle. Yeah, and my uncle's gay. And I was gonna go with him and it's gonna be so much fun. And <laughs> it got postponed to next year, August. But it's like you said, like some things are being cancelled till twenty twenty two. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like but it's great that you got to see something at least.
1: No, I'm literally, like, see when I eventually do get to go back into... Like, literally just to see, like, Les Mis or whatever, like, whatever comes first. Like, I literally... The first time I was in Edinburgh, like, once things had eased up and I was through seeing, seeing my boyfriend, we walked past the playhouse and I was in tears just walking past the playhouse. I was like, this isn't real. This is... What's going on? It's surreal.
0: It's so difficult and it's so hard. And... Um, but honestly, it's you're right, it's that glimmer of hope that seeing even just one piece of live performance really gives you, and I think that's brilliant. So we're talking, obviously, about quite um, hard, difficult things. What are the kind of things you've been doing the last six months to cope mentally? Because everyone that comes on the podcast shares their own advice because different people have said going to therapy, and um, medication, also doing mindfulness, yoga... So it'd be great if you could share some of your experiences of things you've been okay. doing to sort of manage.
1: So for me, one of the hardest parts for of like the original full lockdown for me was the fact that I wasn't seeing my boyfriend. That was mm-hmm. really, really tough for me yeah. because um, he lived at the time. He was sharing a flat with other people um, and I was living at home and he works in Edinburgh. Uh, he works, as a, he's a key worker, he was working in a supermarket, so he had to be there to work, he couldn't work from home. Mm-hmm. I was teaching, uh, and was here, so I couldn't go to his and teach. So we spent the first, until things started easing a little bit, we spent the first, like, whatever it was, 10, 12 weeks yep. not seeing each other and just doing, like, FaceTime and all that. And I really, really, really struggled with that. I was pretty much the lowest that I've ever I've ever felt it was it was really really tough to have that alongside everything else and obviously I we were really lucky because we were you know we were healthy we were still working everything was you know a lot of people had it a lot worse than we did but from my perspective of where it was in my life it was really really tough um Mm. I I spent a lot of time just doing anything that I could find basically I really enjoy something that I do spend a lot of time doing even now um even before the pandemic to be honest but I play piano a lot to kind of calm myself down I'll just come mm-hmm. through I've got this room that I'm in just now and um, this used to be our garage and we got it converted into another room but this is kind of my music room really um, mm-hmm. so I come through here uh, and I'll just sit and play I'll find a book and just play stuff and that kind of helps me kind of calm down and kind of take my mind off everything else um I also early on in the lockdown I set up a a book Instagram um oh amazing which is really fun actually um I've always loved reading readings always been a big part of my life I read like every night before I go to bed same and I just decided I knew that there was a sort of community of book people on Instagram and I was like do you know what I'm going to get in on that, um, and I just I just did, and it's really nice, it's really, it's a really like positive, it's not, you know, some some kind of things on Instagram, it's very kind of competitive, and it's all about, you know, well, how many followers do you have, because oh, I've got this yeah. many followers, and how many likes do you get, and I'm better than you, and it's not like that, and certainly in the part of the book community that I'm in, it's not like that at all, it's really positive, everybody's really supportive of each other, yeah, which is lovely, and I've just been kind of you know, getting recommendations for books to read, sharing reviews, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's been nice to kind of focus my energy on something else that I really love when the main thing that I really love hasn't been able to happen as much. Um, yeah. I've just, yeah, just watching some stuff on Netflix, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, um I also never... This is something I never, ever thought I would ever see, but I actually... Completed Couch to Five K. What's that? So Couch to Five K is like a a a running program. For wow. It. I, I know. Uh, I'm not sporty in the slightest. I'm not. I've never been into like any exercise ever.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and I just I was like I want to do something. I kind of want to lose a little bit of weight and get myself a little healthier and fitter. Mm-hmm. And it was during the summer when we had like that amazing weather that nobody could make the most yeah. of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Locked up <in> head.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. And I, 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 I thought, do you know what, I'm going to do it's like a nine week program. You start off, you run for like a minute, and then walk for a minute, and kind of alternate. And then by the end of the nine weeks, you're running for half an hour.
0: Mhm. That's and amazing.
1: I was really. I was really anxious about it. Um, I didn't want anyone to laugh at me, which is really stupid. because no yeah. one Yeah, it.
0: it's like that episode of Friends <laughs> with Phoebe and Rachel. <laughs> yeah.
1: I literally did it in my garden. I just ran in circles around my back garden. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, worst moment possibly of my life was the day that I was doing it. And um, <laughs> the window cleaner came. <laughs> and he just like... <laughs> walked into my back garden while I was like running around in my sports bra, and I was like what's going on (laughs) Um, and but then I was like I can't stop because if I stop then I'll need to go back and do the whole thing again later so I just had to keep running in circles around the garden while the window cleaner was like cleaning the windows and I was like please honestly just like strike me down like I don't I can't cope but I was so proud of myself for, like, sticking with that. I did it properly. I did the whole programme. I did it over the nine weeks. And it was, like, although it was exhausting and I, I'm not a runner, I never will be a runner mm-hmm. um, or an athlete of any description.
0: Same.
1: <laughs> thought, this is amazing. I just, you know, stuck some music on and kind of forgot about everything else that was going on. Um so I honestly, if you'd asked me like at the beginning of this year that what I'd be doing in November, I would never have said telling people to start running.
0: Or <laughs> running in circles as well.
1: <laughs> but um, it, it actually it was, it really did kind of make a difference to me because it was just that thing of I'm focusing on this, I'm focusing on getting through this run without dying. And I don't need to worry about anything else. like.
0: so funny. Not. So funny you say this because I've got a few friends that have been doing stuff like that. So I've got a few friends that you know did sponsored walks for charities. Um, my friend whose mum sadly passed away from a uh, cancer did a sponsored walk in her memory for the cancer charity. Another friend did a sponsored walk and run for LGBT youth. Do you know? I think a lot of my friends are artists. thought this will make me feel good that I'm helping people, but also the physical exercise. A lot of people say physical exercise helps with anxiety. Do you know what I mean? It's, um. I mean, I haven't been running. <laughs> but I go for a walk every day and, you know, a lot of people I've, speak, I've been speaking to have been doing stuff like that. And I think that's amazing you've done that. And you know what? Like, I'm sure the window cleaner's seen some dodgy stuff in 12 weeks during that lockdown compared to that. Like, that's probably just normal for him. <laughs> Um, and it's funny for the reading comment you make because I love reading. And um, it's funny, before the pandemic, I never got the chance to read. I never got, because I was so absorbed in so many things, I'd come home and I just wanted to sleep. I just wanted yeah. to have my dinner, watch a bit of like telly, go to bed, not worry about anything. And now that I have all this time, I've been like, right, you know what? I've been reading. And one of the things I love reading um, is psychology books. I just love reading. Sort of, I'm kind of thinking this might have to be my new career path, but um, I'm <laughs> loving reading about psychology and sort of the mind and how people work and what they feel and think and how behaviours work. And in terms of Instagram with the book world, the book world's so lovely on Instagram because I, um, you know, follow a lot of offers on Instagram and it's so touching how supportive they are because the Instagram world as an artist can just be so fucking dangerous and difficult to manage and you're so fixated on your appearance that... It causes so much anxiety and worry. And I've often spoken to people that, you know, during the pandemic, I think, unfortunately, at points it became very, like, everything's going okay, even though it's not going okay because it's Instagram. And I'd be sitting thinking, you're not that all right. Like, you don't... And I, on my Instagram, started taking to doing stories, being like, yeah, do you know what? Today hasn't been fucking good, and this is why. And people started messaging me saying oh, thank you, someone else is feeling this way, because I felt like I was just being a brat. And I'm like, no, any artist, especially right now, is feeling this. Like, it's so difficult. But those are honestly really actually helpful tips that other people can do. So thank you for sharing. And it seems that they are helping you. So that's amazing. I've definitely found
1: they've helped a lot,
0: yeah. That's amazing. So... Um, how have you found doing sort of your work online, just like doing sort of singing lessons and piano lessons stuff? How have you actually found it?
1: it's been It's been difficult to kind of adapt. Um, I'm actually t- like teaching my first online singing lesson tonight um, because my singing lessons that i I taught were all done through a, a kind of project that's been run at a school uh, mm-hmm. through EPR, through a school. So that's been kind of up in the air while they tried to work out how it was going to work this year with, you know, potentially the whole thing having to be done online and everything. So that's starting up now. So um, I've had, like, I've been taught my own singing lessons online, obviously, and um, learned a whole master's audition programme via online singing lessons. Um, and then, yeah, I've been teaching my piano and my flute students online. It's been a learning curve, definitely it's it's taken a while to kind of just things that you know if I'm teaching a piano lesson I can in, in normal circumstances they're sitting beside me they're at the piano I can look and see their hands and see oh no they're they're playing the wrong notes that's mm-hmm. what they're doing and online it's much it has trained my ear so much because imagine? I'm like something's not right here and I need to try and figure out what it is <laughs> because yeah. it's, really, it's really tough. And a lot of my students are quite young kids who, with the best will in the world, don't have that sort of ability yet to kind of go, this doesn't sound right, I'm doing something wrong. They will play me something and be like, was that it? And I'll be like... No. <laughs> um, there are maybe a couple of mistakes in there. Um, and it's... it's. I mean, credit it to the kids, in fairness, because it, I wouldn't have been able to do online piano lessons at the age of six, like neither, neither I mean, would I uh, yeah. Totally would it, like. So it's you know it's amazing that they have adapted so well to it as well because yeah. it is it's so much harder, it's a sort of much more intense concentration and focus that you need, I think. It's totally. like it's a whole different ball game really. Um
0: it's your senses because you know for me it's like they have to have the sense to go, right, piano on the camera or singing on the camera like when I'm doing it I'm like right I have to make sure she can see everything I'm doing but it's also the senses of hearing you then say no that's not right but then hearing the music that and then not letting sort of audio from computer speakers or anything interact with it it's a a tough game so it's amazing they can adapt
1: and like just things like it's much harder for me to demo things for them because You can't, you know, everything's just, it's, it's stuff that you take for granted when, yeah. when everything's normal. When when that's all taken away, you're like, oh my God, like yeah. this is difficult. Um, so yeah, it's, it took a while to kind of get get my head around how, how it was all going to work and kind of work out what I needed to do and what they needed to do to make it as effective as possible. But I think we've got a pretty good, we've got it pretty well sussed now. Um, that's good. Because obviously we've been online since like the end of March now. So we're pretty good at it now. Um,
0: So what are your plans for the future once the pandemic, whenever that is, settles? What um, are you kind of in your mind thinking, right? After the pandemic, I want some goals, I want to do this. What are you hoping and thinking for the future?
1: So obviously my main hope, which, you know, we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed, but no guarantees, is that I get accepted into a master's programme. Which would be if I do get accepted, that would be starting like next September. Mm-hmm. Um, which in fairness I am, although at the time when I'd applied before and hadn't been successful, I was gutted. Looking back now, I'm like I'm so glad I wasn't in the middle of a course yep. when all this ticked off because, yep. mm-hmm. you no, know, I know you know my friends had like final recitals cancelled that had been like the culmination of everything they'd worked towards at uni, uh, you know a masters program you're talking the ones I'm applying for are two years you're talking about huge. having missed out on like a huge percentage of that with everything that's going on just now so totally. you know hopefully if I am lucky enough to be accepted this year which of course there's no guarantees um I am at peace with that um you know hopefully things will be looking a lot better by next September please please <laughs> look by next September.
0: I love that it's like, please yeah
1: yeah and other than that uh, obviously when I can when basically when social distancing goes away whenever that will be mm-hmm. uh, I'll start having the kids back back to the house for lessons um, which will be great um, mm-hmm. I'll be able to accompany them again do little jets with mm-hmm. them and stuff which is so nice oh that uh, is lovely yeah and then I know there are some projects kind of in the pipeline kind of organizations that I'm involved with that are going if you know providing things are okay then we'll be doing this. I know, like, NICOS, National Youth Choir of Scotland, next year's their 25th anniversary. Oh, wow. Um, so I I don't have any... They've not told us anything about what they have planned, but I am sure that it'll be something really special. And um, So I'm just really, really hoping that by their course, their residential is usually during the summer. So I'm hoping that by next summer, things will be kind of in a place where we can do whatever, whatever it is they've got lined up because they... As I say, they always throw amazing stuff at us anyway, and on the twenty-fifth anniversary it's gonna be like a whole new level. Um It's
0: amazing.
1: yeah, I'm just I've got there's a few kind of murmurings of things in the pipeline which fingers crossed will be able to happen sooner rather than later. Um mm-hmm. but at the moment it is very much still a waiting game of, you know, once we get told you can do this, I'll go and do it. Yeah. <laughs> but until then, just need to
0: wait and see. I love that. And you know what? Like, I will just say to you in terms of your master's, just to maybe give you a bit of a sort of clarity and hope for it, that, you know, heaven forbid it happens, that if this happened again and there's a second outbreak or something, when you are, you know, fingers crossed, get onto the master's and you maybe are already studying, like, there will always be a plan B to Z and you will manage because I got it to my last term, I was thankful it was only the last term because if it had been second year, yeah. I would have been like, oh, what am I going to do? But, you know, I didn't think I was going to be able to do a film. The film I did was great. I was really proud of it. Maybe if I'd had another uh, another two terms, I'd have done an even more exceptional film. Like, yeah. who knows? And I have every hope that things will be back to normal next September and you'll be going. But in case it didn't, I'm sure with your drive and how you're doing at the moment... I reckon you will definitely manage to find a way. Thank you. <laughs> In terms of, um, you know, younger people listening who might be students and they're kind of thinking, oh, I can't do this and I don't know if I want to pursue the arts. Are there any words of wisdom you could give them to sort of help them continue?
1: Yeah. For me, um, as I kind of mentioned earlier on, I there was a point where I was kind of torn between going down the performance route and go down an academic route and I know that you know when I was at school because of the kind of grades I'd got and the level I was kind of working at when I said that I was even kind of considering studying music not from my family and stuff but from kind of peers and teachers and stuff there was that kind of you're you're wanting to do music you with like you know the grades you've got with AAs you're going to do that you yeah you can go and be a doctor like why are you doing that and it's like at the end of the day I thought about it and I thought this is the only thing I want to do there it's it's not easy it's not an easy career choice to make and you will find yourself in many many occasions sort of having been knocked back from something or something hasn't gone the way you wanted it to and all of that sort of thing and it, it it can be really 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 difficult but at the end of the day if if this is your kind of passion and the only thing that you want to do with your life then you can't you can't do anything else you have to go down this road because you won't be happy unless you're going down this road and the fact that you know this is your passion and your love when something you know, like a knockback or something happens, yes, it hurts and it's tough and you cry about it for a few days. But then you get back on your feet and you go, right, what's next? What's coming next? What can I do next? And you learn, because I've had this over the years, I've gone, if I'd, you know, got into this or done this, then that would have meant that I wouldn't have been able to do this other thing, which has now come along and has been so much better and so much and I know, I mean, I don't know what people's opinions are on, like, fate and all that sort of thing, but <clears throat> I think there is a sort of element of everything happens for a reason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah, it, is, it can be really tough and it can be really, you know, it, if you've kind of built yourself up to go, I want to do this thing or go and study at this conservatoire or do this or whatever, if that doesn't happen exactly as you originally planned it to happen and wanted it to happen, it it can be really tough and it can sort of, knock you back and kind of make you go, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But you come to realise that, yeah, I should be doing this and I'm good enough to do this. And just because that thing didn't give me a place because of any number of reasons, you know, like I know from what I know about um, like RCS, for example, they have a tiny, tiny amount of funding for Scottish students yeah. compared to what they have for international students. And if I remember rightly, the statistics, for last year's master co- master's course, they had something like 70-odd Sopranos auditioned and something like four got a place. Yeah. And that's the sort of, you know, that's the kind of statistics you're up against. And mm-hmm. I think when you put it into those kind of, that kind of perspective, you realise... It's not that I'm bad, it's not that I'm not good enough, it's on this occasion, there wasn't a place for me, but that doesn't mean that there will never be a place for me, and that doesn't mean that somebody else won't, you know, if I go and audition for somebody else or go and do something else, somebody else won't go, yes, I want you, I want your voice, your talents, your experience, blah, blah, blah. And so I think if you are a young person and you're kind of especially just now questioning everything because we all are you know you know deep down whether this is your the only thing that makes sense for you to do and if it is then you'll find a way and it might take a while and especially while we're kind of picking up the pieces after covid yeah. it'll take a while but we all will get there eventually and you will too even if the route that you take isn't the one you'd originally envisaged for yourself
0: I love that, Lauren, and thank you, because I think I needed to hear that too today, so I really oh. appreciate that. Thank <laughs> <You're> you. <welcome.
1: laughs> Before
0: we finish off uh, the podcast episode, it's been a pleasure having you and catching up with you.
1: It's um, been so happy to be here.
0: Every week, we obviously get the artists to bring a quote with them that reflects them how they feel, or to give sort of a bit of inspiration um, and not that we need it after those amazing words, but it'd be <laughs> lovely to just sign off with that amazing quote. Thank you.
1: So um, the quote that I... had do we think about this? And the thing that comes to mind for me, especially just now in the kind of weird, sort of turbulent world that we're living in, um, is actually a line from the musical Hamilton, uh, which, by the way, if you ever get an opportunity to see Hamilton one of the best nights of my life. Cannot mm-hmm. recommend it enough. But the the quote that I'm going with is, I am the one thing in life I can control. And that to me wow. just it just sums up everything because it can be so easy, especially just now, to kind of think about everything and, you know, the government and what's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. In America and you know, the world and how kind of terrible a lot of things are. And it, it's really easy to get yourself kind of bogged down in that and kind of just wallow in how awful everything is. But at the end of the day, the only, the only thing that you have any control over at all is yourself. And you can't, you know, no matter how bad things are anywhere else or with anything else, you can't do anything about that. You can't do anything about the fact that the government's not, Doing a any good job of anything or you know anything that's happening the only thing you've got any control over is yourself so for me sort of reminding myself of that really helps me to kind of get a bit of perspective and realize that although things are awful is there anything that I can personally do about it or about what's happening to me if there is if there's something that's sort of personal that I can change or kind of adapt my thinking or whatever it may be then great I can do that if not at the moment there are things that we just have to kind of cope with yeah and so I think that's that's been a really kind of coming to that realization for me has been really helpful as I say especially over the last you know the course of this pandemic to kind of go things suck but I can't do anything about that all I can do anything about is me and that's yeah that's all you've got really is yourself and your own trying to keep your own headspace and your own life as kind of healthy as possible. So that's, that's where I'm kind of at with it really.
0: Thank you so much. I think hopefully a lot of people will come to that realization listening to this podcast episode as well. You so. are amazing. Thank you so much for joining me this week on afternoon delight Lorna.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: It's always interesting talking to guests that don't know me as Jordy. Obviously, Lorna knows that I do drag and knows me now as Jordy and talks to me regularly about drag. And in fact, I posted a couple of looks in the last couple of days, and Lorna was commenting like, "These are everything." And you know that that support is sometimes so needed from people that didn't always know you as a drag artist. Those those particular moments are extra special for me. Because it's easy for the drag community to blow smoke up each other's arse and say, Oh, you Yas Queen, you look amazing, get henny. But to be honest, getting people that knew you beforehand always adds a different dynamic that I love. Lauren is honestly an amazing person. I think that with how I had been feeling the last couple of weeks, that really kind of nailed it. That, you know, I've been on a spiritual journey and getting in touch with parts of myself that I never really thought existed. Tonight, the House of Liability drag show number two is on Twitch at the House of Liability drag show. And I'm going to be singing, um, opening with a Dua Lipa song and ending with a song by Fleetwood Mac, like I'd promised last month. But last month, I just wasn't in the best place. And speaking to Lorna gave me that courage to kind of put myself out there and get my singing back on track. Please do keep an eye out for Lorna Murray's um, amazing projects in the future. She is honestly such an exceptional artist, and I'm so glad that we've made this contact again. I hope you've all enjoyed this podcast episode. It's been interesting for me because I've learnt a lot of things that I didn't really know. And I can't stress enough how amazing that experience must have been seeing La Vie Bohème live. Honestly. As much as I love doing digital drag shows and performances, I miss live performance so much and I know that when I see my first ever live show, I'm going to be an emotional wreck. Until that does happen though, stay safe and remember to breathe. Afternoon like. Real people, real stories, A local podcast for local.